Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. We have a fantastic show today. I'm joined by midlife wellness expert, Rachel Hughes, a certified nutritional coach, blogger, and creator of the Menno Memos, which focuses on the intersection of food, fitness, beauty, and hormones. Rachel also hosts a vlog on the perimenopause app, Peri. That's P-E-R-R-Y. I am so excited to talk all things food, midlife, hormones, navigating the ups and downs of change, and joyful, vibrant aging with her today. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, and I love that intro. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> Thank you. I've never been introduced so 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 lovely ish yeah that's so so fabulous thank you you, rachel (laughs) well i'm so excited to connect with you because i've been following your content on instagram i love the uh, spirit that you bring to aging and midlife you have such wonderful advice and i'm i'm really excited to have you today so uh i'd love to start by asking about your career i said in the intro you know you're a nutrition coach but you also blog on wellness and midlife which came first uh or have you always worked in nutrition or is this a second act for you so this is certainly a second act. The all of the Instagram stuff and the blogging um, came really in the last year. I worked for many years with a functional medicine practitioner um, here in Connecticut, where I am, and um, among other things, I I administered a treatment for chronic pain patients and. Uh, it was when successful, miraculous. And um, when not, it was a a big bummer. But one of the things that I just sort of naturally uh, awakened to was people's levels of inflammation when they walked in the door. So, um, and how that looked for each patient really varied. But my particular interest, my own you know, personal interest was really in food. I, I've always, I love to eat. I love to cook. It's, you know, one of my love languages. And <laughs> I, Mine I too. Just, yes, yes. I just sort of felt like addressing food for many of the patients who walked in the door um, was a segue to improving their conditions. And I approached the doctor that I worked with after some time and I spoke about this with him and he thought it was great. And so we kind of together developed um, a protocol for what patients who were interested in, and willing um, to do could, could follow. But again, you know, the, the topic of food is more triggery and loaded for people than uh, we often give it credit for. And so, you know, some people were really open to it and sort of addressing their, um, their wellness, addressing their hurdles um, in a, in a really holistic fashion and others weren't. And um, it, it just gave me a real window, a real insight to how significant food is um, both positively and negatively for people. And so COVID happened and I lost my job and I had already been thinking about um, sort of starting a, an online presence around the issue of perimenopause because I was going through it. So I'm 51 now. I started 
becoming apparently symptomatic around 43. And I was just really not feeling great and really wanting to look for um, sort of like-minded people about it. But also I felt when I looked around at social media, there weren't a lot of women of color talking about their perimenopausal experience. And of course, what I learned after some time being on the platform, that wasn't true at all. It was just a matter of time before I... You found your people and found found that community. Yeah. Yeah. And and so when I did, it it just sort of naturally um, came to pass that the things I talked about and the things that I personally experienced around perimenopause had a lot to do with food and nutrition. You know, it's so interesting, Rachel, because the very first show that I ever recorded was with uh, a functional medicine doctor by the name of Dr. Anita Sadati. She is a uh, an OBGYN, but also um, certified in integrative medicine. And we went mm-hmm. through the common complaint she hears from patients regarding menopause. And she shared that the number one concern she hears from patients is uh, midlife and menopausal weight gain. Yeah. Does this surprise you? doesn't surprise me at all. I hear it all the time as well. Um, and I really, really recently have been thinking about sort of where my, my place can be in the dialogue around it. Because um, again, food is loaded. Uh, people's relationship with food may be loaded. Women's relationships with food tend to be, you know, sort of a wrestling match for many, many years. And so by the time we get into midlife and our bodies may quite often um, sort of feel like they've blindsided us and we are holding on to weight where we never once did. Um, and all of the things that we did in our twenties and thirties to drop a couple of pounds here or there seem to not work anymore. But at the same time, there's this very real uh, position, I think, that more women in midlife come to, which is, I I don't want to have the battle anymore around food and with my body. And that's really important and hopefully very positive and hopefully catapulting so many women to a much more amicable, loving, caring relationship with their bodies. But, you know, I see it. I see it. I hear it. I experience it myself. This kind of like, yeah, I'm good with where I am. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not worrying about so much of this stuff anymore, but you know, dang, when I'm, when I'm standing naked in the mirror, I'm like, I swear I didn't have that lump there, you know, like a month ago and what the hell and where did that come from? And can I get rid of it? Should I worry about getting, you know, all of these, these questions may, may surface. And, you know, I think they probably um, surface and these different questions probably surface on different days of different weeks. You know, there's some days when you're like, I'm all good. This is, yeah. I, I'm fine. And then other days you're like, huh, you know, yeah. maybe I'm not feeling a hundred percent. So, yeah. so what are the, so 
I and I also hear what you're saying about sometimes it's uh, people are developing this more amicable, loving relationship with their body, which I adore that concept. Don't we all want to be in that space? Um, and then some people, you know, do really want to work on stuff that they're unhappy with, or maybe they've, yeah. they've, you know, I did a lot of banana bread eating during COVID. You know, it's not yeah. that I don't have to keep doing that. So let's take it from a, a healthy perspective. If somebody. Sure has had a, a healthy relationship with their body, but wants to make sure that they are remaining fit and healthy um, as they age, uh, what advice would you be giving to them in terms of, of their diet? Sure. Um, so part of my position is that what works in your life is what's going to work for you. So if you have never been before an intermittent faster, for example, but you know, you've, you've maintained a healthy weight most of your life and you work out and your, you know, your stress levels well maintained. Um, you, you may find you want to lose 10 pounds. Um, and so you want to launch into intermittent fasting. If that is not a realistic lifestyle for you, because the most important thing, and I say this to any and everyone is consistency. And it's not consistency over a month, it's consistency over many, many months and, and years. So even for someone who tries intermittent fasting and discovers, oh, you know, I've just I've lost 10 pounds, and it was so quick, and it was so easy. You know, are you going to maintain that lifestyle now for the next 10 years? Because that's what you really need to do. Otherwise you will put the weight back on. It's just, that's, what's going to happen. Your body wants to find a balance and you've sort of shaken it out of balance by intermittent fasting. And now it's in a new place and you need to maintain that new place or, or the body's done with it. So that is the first thing I would say is what can you in your personal life remain consistent with? The other thing is, to certainly be consuming a lot of plants. That doesn't mean that you need to consume a tremendous amount of volume of plants during every meal, but it does mean that every meal should contain plants. Uh, snacks can be plants. And I think I'm talking about things like fruits and vegetables, you know, complex carbohydrates, things that keep your blood sugar stable. And then that leads me to the conversation about blood sugar which is probably the primary focus I would encourage women to think about, particularly in midlife, because not only are you sort of priming yourself for um, health and longevity, if you have balanced blood sugar, so you're, you're, you're going to be staving off things like diabetes and obesity and all of the many chronic conditions that people face as they enter into the second half of their life. But keeping your blood sugar from spiking and crashing throughout the day is really what kind of helps you get cravings under control, um, not sort of consume such a tremendous volume of food, not desire things that are going to kind of give you a pep like sugar and caffeine. And this is something that. that I absolutely need in my life, Rachel. I'm so oh. <laughs> excited that you're talking about this. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to hear about how uh, you can encourage clients to, to manage their blood sugar more effectively. We'll be back after this quick break. 
Midlife is a crazy balancing act. Careers, relationships, home life, bank accounts, empty nests, aging parents. Not to mention fun, fitness, and friends. We're living longer, stronger, healthier, and happier. We're living life fully charged. We're living brightly. Brightly is a modern membership company and digital platform built to fuel life 50 plus. Powered by the belief that age and experience are rocket fuel and that 50 is a fantastic yet underrated club, Brightly offers tools, benefits, content, and inspiration for living life fully charged. Brightly offers exclusive benefits from top brands like Warby Parker, HelloFresh, and Minted. Brightly offers tools and classes to help you get things done built just for this life stage. Brightly offers voices of experts, influencers, and a community all living life 50 plus. Come be Brightly. Sign up for the free Brightly newsletter at thisisbrightly.com and follow the fun on social at thisisbrightly. Okay, Rachel, I have those cravings that you talked about, the sort of highs and lows, and it definitely seems like a blood sugar issue. What would you mm-hmm. say to somebody like me who really finds, you know, I get that like 3 p.m. must have a cookie kind yeah. of craving? So that very common 3 p.m. must have a cookie thing is usually because your blood sugar has been out of whack for the last several hours. So depending on how you started your day, um, you may be setting yourself up for that dip. One thing to keep in mind, that's actually three things, one principle, is that your meals, which may be two or three sort of significant meals a day, contain a protein, a complex carbohydrate, and a healthy fat. So that combination of foods tends to fill you up. Uh, And what are those complex carbohydrates? Sure. So complex carbohydrates are things like really fruits and vegetables, Um, raw vegetables, cooked vegetables, fruits. Some grains are okay. Some people are not great with grains, um, meaning they have gastrointestinal issues as a result of grains. So that's not really the primary thing. And people get, it's really easy to sort of say, oh, I can have all the grains I want. um, And I'm going to eat, you know, a ton of wild rice. Well, that's a lot of wild rice. And even though it's a better sort of carbohydrate to choose than something like white bread, um, it's a lot to, to put into your body. And um, it's caloric wise, just too much, but uh, a complex carbohydrate, like, uh, you know, a beautiful arugula salad with some cooked eggplant and uh, slices of avocado would be your healthy fat, Um, a drizzle of extra virgin olive oil, a squeeze of lemon. You are making me hungry, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. We're recording this at lunchtime and I'm like, that salad sounds (laughs) really good. (laughs) Oh, good. And a piece of fish or chicken, um, you know, red meat is okay. Uh, Certainly it's, it's, high protein uh, content, but it's probably not the best choice. But if you, you know, if you enjoy it, eat it. Same with pork, eat it. Um, Fish is probably the best thing. And then there, of course, there are plant protein um, sources for those people who don't want to consume animal protein. But, um, and, and really what I, what I kind of encourage people to think about is, you know, your plate is, and I'm sure you've heard this before, your plate would be both of your hands put together and one side of that plate 
would be a combination of uh, cooked and raw vegetables or, uh, you know, three quarters of, of your, your entire hand would be cooked in raw vegetables. And one quarter of that hand would be, uh, you know, a healthy fat source and, and your other palm would be the amount of protein you should consume. And that last quarter of your hand can be something like, uh, you know, a sweet potato or white potatoes, which no one should be afraid of, or um, sort of some sort of grain. These are such great imagery, and I've never heard that before. And I, oh, I, I love this. It's so easy to visualize your plate, your hands, and kind of that the portion of what you should be eating, um, which is such a terrific visual. I had a guest on a couple of episodes ago who wrote a wonderful cookbook called uh, Weekday Vegetarians. And mm. she talked, her name is um, Jenny Rosenstrock, and she talked about how she and her family choose to eat plant-based during the week. Yeah. And they, you know, indulge in things like meat and and um, other kinds of animal proteins during the weekend. And yeah. I thought this was such a wonderful idea. So I'm going to put that into the show notes as well if people are looking for ideas on how to include more plant-based foods. Where do you yeah. get your recipes from? Can you direct our listeners to anything that you find useful in terms of creating the types so, of meals you recommend? I, I love that. I, You know, there are a host of... Um, great chefs and celebrity chefs out there who I enjoy as much as anyone else. And I will often um, take their recipes and adapt them accordingly. So um, I am a big fan of places like Cook's Country and America's Test Kitchen and um, Giada De Laurentiis and and Barefoot Contessa and um, Dana James, who is a nutritionist and has written a book called The Archetype Diet, which is a really interesting read, but she has a lot of plant-based recipes that are, for me, just really good sort of basic foundations from which I springboard um, other things. I'm trying to think who else I... No, those are all great recommendations. I'm not familiar with that author, so I'm going to look that up and put it in the show notes, but I know the Barefoot Contessa. I've got all of her cookbooks. Not only is her food, you know, healthy and wonderful and delicious, it's fairly simple to make, you know. Yeah. None of these things... That's key as well. I think, you know, people have a lot going on and... I, I'm someone who loves to cook, but I don't want to be in the kitchen for hours and hours at a time. And it should be that you cook things that are tasty and good for you. And you can keep in the fridge for, you know, several days, you know, cook enough that you're not constantly having to cook and do think about um, eating more plants that, that really, you know, we've heard it for years. Mark Bittman is another. Yes. Um, I love him. The minimalist. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, the, this idea that you just get, just eat more plants. Eat it more makes, plants. Yes. It really makes such a difference. It really, really does. And I found that, um, you know, again, being consistent about these principles has helped me tremendously with my perimenopausal symptoms. So. And, and so, Rachel, we, we, t- we said at the beginning that, um, you know, food can be very triggering for, for women, that their, you know, diet culture is real. Uh, any woman listening to this show has been fed a steady stream of stuff by pop culture and media about what it looks like to be an ideal figure and 
and all that type of thing. We we covered some of the foundational building blocks for eating healthy foods um, for anyone. But if you were working with a client who was really struggling with their self confidence around their weight, is there any particular coaching that you might share to help them move through this this feeling of maybe inadequacy or struggle? Yeah. That's such a good question, and. I am not a therapist. I wish that I was. I, I think that. Um, but but speaking as just as, as a human and a good friend yeah. and a sympathetic ear, which you are, you know, what would you what might you say to somebody? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly my would be my approach because I don't have that kind of um, mental health training. But I I really think it's important for women to get sort of down to the bare bones as to why food may be such an issue for them. And more often than not, like just about anything else in our lives, our relationships with friends, with spouses, with children, with parents, it's often connected to an event or a period of time um, or a message that we received or interpreted as such um, that sort of, spins our uh, understanding of what food is for us. So for example, um, you know, I, I grew up in, in a home with a mother who's very, uh, you know, teeny tiny person and um, was very stressed out and didn't, <laughs> didn't think to eat a lot herself because she you know, was having a stressful time as a single mother and um, food was not her priority. And um, I definitely have residual issues around an empty refrigerator. You know, I don't like it. I like my refrigerator packed. So it starts I do, looking bare. Yes. <laughs> I get you that. You know, yes. Yeah, I get nervous. And but then I also was a dancer for many, many years. And, uh, certainly received a message daily that you could never be skinny enough. And that really did a number on me for, you know, many, many, many years. And, um, you know, those are just two of several things that I can point to uh, specifically. And so when I speak with women who are struggling and feeling, um, as you say, you know, inadequate and, and really troubled by their bodies and how their bodies may be changing or sort of not, uh, you know, not relenting to their will. Um, I talk a lot about what's happened in the past and more than often there is something, uh, there is a message received. And once we kind of share a bit about that, it, I think it helps to begin to shift the relationship. Um, and it takes a long time. It really, really does. And I, I think that's also a little bit challenging. It's that, you know, we, we are in midlife and we're looking at the second half, but, you know, maybe, I mean, this sounds so, so dark. I don't mean it to, but, you know, I do think that some of us are thinking, I only have so many years left and yes. I want them to be, you know, vibrant. I want to be healthy. I want to look good. I want to feel good. And so there is perhaps a sense of urgency, um, but there really can't be. And there really has to be a trust in 
uh, you know, that a woman has on her own where she says to herself and she gets to the point where she trusts herself around food and she trusts that she knows how to feed herself. You know, diet culture tells us on repeat that we don't know how to do that, that we can't be trusted to, um, to feed ourselves well. And we, we accept that and we, you know, purchase this diet and that diet and I've, I've done it, you know, I've done it all. So it's, I, I really, really get it. And again, it's sort of feeding this sense of urgency that we have. That doesn't sound dark at all to me, Rachel. It really doesn't. I mean, it sounds, you know, it doesn't, it sounds like a really honest appraisal of, of a situation that a lot of women find themselves in. And, you know, we are excited to be in this, this phase of our life where perhaps we, we have more confidence in ourselves. We've, um, you know, we're better able to prioritize what we care about. We're, we're able to prioritize taking care of ourselves, you know, because if we're mothers, yeah. our kids are older and require yes. less time, which can be liberating. But yeah. as you as you shared, it can also be a time of loss, which doesn't get, yes. you know, talked about as much because, you know, we lose estrogen. We lose our children mm-hmm. to their ad- adult lives. Mm-hmm. You lost your job during COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, marriages <laughs> yeah. change, friendship changes, you know, yeah. even our sense of what makes us feel feminine changes. So, yeah. you know, do you that, hear Those this are from- all such good points. It, it, I really think that's so true and sort of needs to be looked at. You know, we're, we're all in this incredibly exciting wave of, um, you know, ownership of ourselves and, and sort of uh, rewriting the script around aging and around perimenopause and menopause. But there is loss involved and that is okay to talk about as well. Uh, and I think really important too, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's easy to get swept up in the all things good and all things strong and all things powerful. And, and that is all true, but there is, there is room for a little, um, poignancy and reflection, um, around sort of what we're now, we're, we're, what we're beyond. Um, and that's okay. Change isn't, bad necessarily, but it, it, it is different. Absolutely. So Rachel, who are the, the women in midlife that inspire you? I mean, do, do you look around and see people either on social media or in your own life that kind of let you up and, and, um, you know, show the side, you know, we, we talked about the two sides of the coin of life, you know, life is full of things that are rich and wonderful and things that are challenging and, and lost. So who would inspire you to look at midlife as this time of excitement? Yeah, this is such a good question. Okay. I, I, I <laughs> you're gonna, tell you, you're I, coming. Thank you so much. You're making me yeah. feel good. You're coming no, on no, next no. week. <laughs> no, 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 really, your questions are great. I, I find this question the most challenging, though, because I, I am struck by women all around me. I'm struck by you doing this kind of work. I'm struck by so many women I've met in one way or another on uh, this, you know, Instagram platform talking about um, really their, their season of, of reinvention and reinvigoration. And I, I am boosted by all of that. And there are also, you know, there are authors I, I'm inspired by. There's, there are activists who I'm inspired by. Um, and I also, you know, I was giving some thought to this. I, I was thinking about younger women who are perhaps nowhere near perimenopause, um, you know, unless they're, they, they've had some sort of surgical menopause or something like that. But I'm talking about women who 
are just younger who had this, um, you know, who are very sort of open about their, their lives. And, and, you know, I'm as guilty as the next of, of sort of saying, Oh my God, you know, they just, they can't stop sharing or whatever. <laughs> but I also, you know, I also find it really inspiring. And I think it's, it's helped our generation um, to also say, you know, there is no reason, there's no earthly reason that this very natural phase of life, however you get there, um, is not, is not spoken about openly. The good, the bad, the ugly, the rejoiceful parts of it are all to be explored and shared. And, you know, there's no shame in any of it. And so I, you know, I guess, I mean, I, I, I hesitate to just pull out names just because there would be so many people that I would neglect to mention, but truly, 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 I, am inspired most of all by the women that I've connected with on this platform. They're just dynamic people. They yeah, there's really inspiration are. all around you. I, I agree. I mean, if, uh, I had a wonderful guest on the show, uh, a author and a podcaster by the name of Nancy Davis Coe, and she wrote a mm-hmm. book called The Thank You Project. And it's about um, looking for things to be thankful in your life. And she shared that. something when she came on the show that if you look for things to be grateful for, you're going to find them. So if you are I looking for things to be inspired by or people to be inspired by, you're going to find them. Yeah. So, you know, listen yeah. to the other episodes of my podcast. Every single woman who comes on knocks yep. my sock off, socks off every week. Get on Instagram. Don't That's be great. afraid of social media. It's, it gets a bad rap. There are tons of people sharing wonderful content, including Rachel. I think of like a Paulina Porzakova who talks about yes. sexy has no expiration date. I think of um, Charlotte Jap from Circle, which is a multi-generational um, kind of networking platform where she connects people across generations. I think of um, Generation Women, which is a storytelling um, live event in New York where they have different people sharing um, perspectives across generations. So there's so much inspiration out there. I absolutely love that. Um, Rachel, we're kind of getting near the end of our time together. I know we're going to move into a speed round soon. But before we do, I want to just take a quick moment to talk about um, blogging and vlogging in a crowded space. You know, you oh. have been able to break through. You have a, a, a nice, robust Instagram following you're having regular conversations, um, vlogs every week on the Hello Perry app. You know, how did you break into this market and what have you learned from the conversations you're having? Yeah. Um, so I, full disclosure, I have been enormously lazy about <laughs> vlogging lately. I, I just, I, it's hard. It's at one of my, one of my primary uh, symptoms of perimenopause is brain fog. And it is truly something I grapple with and sitting down and writing is a, it's a, it's a muscle to, sure. to be uh, worked at daily. And I, um, I can slack on that. And I love this. That, I can too. I can I, too. This makes me feel better. Every woman's uh, nodding. God. They're all like, Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Not just I, me. I mean, I am so impressed with people who can just sit down and just hammer it out. And that, that is not my gig. But with that, I have been able to um, form a relationship with the uh, founders at Perry. And I, 
You know, I really love the community. I, I love the women I've met there. Everyone is so um, warm and open and, and just, you know, honest about what's happening and it helps each and every one of us. And what I just sort of naturally noticed was that um, their private Facebook community would get sort of a new influx of women and they would all be asking the same questions. And um, I thought, you know, it would be cool if they had some sort of video library. And so I spoke with the founder and I tossed that idea her way. And I said, you know, I, I'm not equipped to do this kind of stuff on my own, but you guys are, and you should think about doing that. I think it would be cool to have people be able to log on and, you know, click on a video that provided lots of answers about any given subject. And she said, that sounds great. Would you like to do it? And I said, sure. And so we started and we've done, I believe, almost 25 interviews now. And what are the types of topics that you cover? Yeah. So everything. I mean, we, we talk about, uh, vaginas. I have spoken (laughs) about vaginas more in the last couple of months. This show is no stranger to the word vagina. Believe me. (laughs) God, it's so funny. So, you know, anything regarding vaginal health, um, urinary health, uh, pelvic floor, you know, emotional changes, um, mental health issues, uh, sex, things related to um, sex and healthy sex. And, uh, you know, and then also we've spoken to people who are just, um, you know, their presence themselves online is really about encouraging uh, women to live a very fruitful and exciting and healthy second half of life. So we've had guests um, who can speak about that and have their own, uh, you know, companies, if you will, that in, work with women on, on that. We've spoken with activists um, who are uh, speaking specifically um, to black and brown women going through this phase of life uh, and, you know, looking at um, uh, equitable resources, uh, women who speak to the trans community and this season of life, we're going to be speaking with women who've gone through early menopause for one reason or another, uh, physicians who can speak about cancer and, uh, perimenopause, menopause, um, fitness, you know, it just, it goes on and on and we're always so many wonderful topics. Yeah. It really is, you know, anything you can think of, we want to talk about it. And, um, and that's what you've been doing. I love this. And and so Rachel, having all these conversations, having these 20 plus conversations, spending time on your Instagram and the company of women thriving in midlife, you know, knowing what you now know about this season, what would you go back and tell your younger self? Oh gosh. I, (laughs) you know, this one's hard. Don't ask me this one. (laughs) It is is hard. You know, I would honestly be nothing but encouraging to my younger self. I, I had no idea how positive and exciting and, um, you know, just hopeful this time of life would be. And even though there are physiological challenges at some time, at some points, um, it really is this enormously freeing self-defining, um, season. And that I don't think younger people, certainly myself would have 
um, believed or understood, but I, I certainly would have encouraged that. And I also would have encouraged myself to have been at that time and throughout my years, much more of a risk taker. Um, but again, you know, that sort of speaks to things like around, you know, things that you want to work out therapy and that kind of stuff. But I do think, you know, some people are just innately that way and many others aren't and many others are women who aren't. And I would really have encouraged myself to um, take many more risks and, and trust that things work out. Because I, yes, I love that. And, and that's something that we need to be telling ourselves, you know, today as well, yes. not just our younger selves, but our, our you know, our today self. Be willing yeah. to take risks. Be willing to be uncomfortable. Be willing yeah. to put yourself out there because when you do, you open yourself up to wonderful, wonderful opportunities and wonderful possibilities. We I did an interview not too long ago with a woman who shared that, you know, she tells she tells people to say yes more. And I love that. It, I and and I feel the same way. You know, we should be saying yes more right now at this time of life. Um, so yes, I would encourage, I would encourage my younger self. And to your point, I certainly remind myself to do that today. This is perfect. Say yes, take risks. All right, let's move on to our speed round. Uh, okay. Okay. This it's, you know, brace yourself. This is not hard. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Maybe one, two word answers. Running okay. my own business is. Enlightening. Ooh. My superpower at work. Intuition. My superpower at home. Intuition. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite healthy snack. Oh, uh, um, carrot sticks and guacamole. Yum. This food is always in my grocery cart. Spinach. You will never find this in my kitchen. Coca-Cola. Favorite self-care practice? Meditation. Best stress buster? Exercise. On weekends, you will find me? Um, uh, cooking. And if I weren't a wellness and nutrition expert, I would be a... <sighs> film critic. Oh, I love it. I <laughs> yes. love it. That's so yeah. great. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. Rachel, this has been really fun. I really, um, I'm inspired by your outlook on aging and community building. And I feel like I learned a lot about, um, you know, making better nutritional choices and also maybe being relaxed about making nutritional choices. I really appreciate your time. Before we say goodbye, how can our listeners keep, uh, you know, learning more about you and your work and your services? Sure thing. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. I absolutely enjoyed this time. You can find me at The Menno Memos on Instagram and also on the Perry app, uh, which you can download for free and, and, and uh, get involved in that community and see me lots, interviewing lots of people. Fabulous. I will put those all in the show notes. Thank you very much, Rachel. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Join me next Monday when I talk with Nina Laura's Collins of Revel and the Wolfer, which offer community and event platforms for midlife women. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties.